So today we're going to be in Mark chapter 12. So you guys can be turning there. You know, when you're hitting a, a chapter like this, or any, I guess, chapter of the gospel, there's so many uh, things that you can lean into. And I just want to call out that at the end of Mission Focus, on a Sunday morning, Lee Ridings actually taught on this, like just a couple of, like, a couple of weeks ago. And he really focused on the nature of the Pharisees. And I think that's been a topic that we've hit on a lot as we've been going through the Mark series about having a hard heart. I highly encourage you to listen to that uh, teaching. One, uh, Lee is just a joy to listen to beyond even just his, uh, his Southern accent. Just uh, his ability to teach. God has um, just anointed him to teach the word. But then also, I think that there's just a lot to, to glean from that. We're going to take this from a different angle, and we're going to be looking at um, the Lord's desire to see fruit coming out of his stewards' lives. And uh, you can be thinking about this uh, through the terms of uh, investment and whatnot. I'm going to pray, and we will get started. Uh, Lord, I pray that um, you would open up your word to us this morning. God, that we would be good stewards of what you've entrusted us with. And Jesus, you are worthy of the increase. You are worthy of um, our whole lives, uh, a, a living uh, life of sacrifice uh, unto you. So I just pray that you would help us, Lord, to, to take advantage of everything that you've given us and that we would steward it for your worship and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so just quick recap. This is day, th we're going to be reading about day three of Jesus in Jerusalem during the Passover. If you remember, he came in with a triumphal entry on a donkey. He went back to Bethany. He came back again and he cleaned up the temple because there was a lot of corruption and focus on money and profit and taking advantage of what the Lord had uh, set up for the children of Israel in terms of getting right with him and, and sacrifices. So Jesus uh, chased out the money changers and had been confronted by the, by the religious leaders. And they're always trying to trip him up on his words, trying to, trying to see, see, I gotcha, or, or try to disprove him in some way. And yet Jesus always responds in such a way that just leaves them speechless and, and really kind of just, uh, tail bet between their legs. And then uh, he, he continues his ministry. So this is day three, and he's continuing this conversation with the Pharisees. You guys got your outline in the notes. And we're going to start by uh, looking at a parable that Jesus is going to say. And, and keep in mind that both the Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees, they're taking this in, what Jesus is saying, but there's also a broader group that's here because he's in, he's in the temple. So it says this, Mark chapter 12, verse 1, And he began to speak unto them by parables. A certain man planted a vineyard and set a hedge about it and digged a place for the wine fat and built a tower and let it out to a husbandman and went into a far country. And at the season he sent to the husbandman a servant that he might receive from the husbandmen of the fruit of the vineyard. And they caught him and beat him and sent him away empty. 
And again, he sent unto them another servant, and at, that, and at him they cast stones and wounded him in the head and sent him away shamefully handled. So this story is just uh, starting off with there's somebody that's got a lot of wealth and he's created a vineyard and put a bunch of things like protection around it and a tower and he's entrusted stewards with it. Uh, they're called husbandmen in this parable. And as this uh, owner goes to a far country, which represents God the Father in heaven, he starts sending his servants to come and basically receive the fruit that's growing in this vineyard. And the tragedy of, of this, this story is that the, the husbandmen, the, the people that are supposed to be bringing a return on investment, are instead just like beating up these servants that are being sent um, for the fruit. Verse 5 continues, And again he sent another, and him they killed, and many others beating some and killing some. And having yet therefore one son, his well-beloved, he sent him also unto them, saying, They will reverence my son. But those husbandmen said among themselves, This is the heir, come, let us kill him, and the inheritance shall be ours. And they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. What shall therefore the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the husbandmen and give the vineyards unto others. And have you not read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become the head corner. And this was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they, the religious leaders, sought to lay hold on him, but feared the people for they knew that he had spoken the parable against them and they left him and went their way. Now, this, this, uh, this parable, um, this is something that the religious leaders were actually seeing themselves in the story. They knew that Jesus was bringing an indictment against them and against Israel. There's some cross-references in your notes, but Stephen, in the book of Acts, actually kind of walks through this narrative but actually through Israel's history. So instead of being a parable, he's standing in front of the religious leaders and he's telling them, God sent prophet after prophet after prophet to you and you just like beat them up. You covered your ears, you closed your eyes and you sent them away. You did not listen to God. And God sent prophet after prophet and you just continued to not listen. And Stephen was, was eventually stoned to death, Okay. So if you want to, to kind of get a little bit more understanding of this from a historical standpoint, you can look at Acts 7. As well, Isaiah 5 is almost like a parallel uh, parable. And what it talks about is that Israel, God had wanted good grapes to come out of Israel, and yet wild grapes grew. And in verse 1, there's a, a lot of pictures and types, and we're not going to go through all of those. But again, just to call out, uh, I probably missed the, the most obvious one, um, but Jesus is sent, <laughs> that's not in verse one, that's farther, that's, that's down in verse six, but a, his well-beloved son, that's Jesus, is sent to the children of Israel. And as we know, Israel is going to reject the Messiah and murder him. 
And so uh, how does this relate to us? Okay, so we're not Israel, but I think there's some things that we can glean. And, and really, this is about the heart of the Father, okay? And, and what we see, it, no matter where you're reading in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, there's this principle of stewardship and that God is going to entrust his people with something and he wants them to steward it for his glory and really for the benefit of those around them. So Adam and Eve were given a garden to steward, right? Uh, Moses was, was given the law to steward and Israel was given the law. And what has the church been entrusted with? Like, what have we been entrusted with? So the, the key point here, the Lord is expecting a harvest from his husbandmen. How is your stewardship? How is your stewardship? How are you stewarding the things that God has entrusted you with? James 5, 7 says this, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. God wants fruit. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. He told that to Adam and Eve. He told that to Noah. This is something that we see in the New Testament. Go ye therefore and make disciples. The interesting thing I, that stood out to me in this, this parable is that this, the, the wicked stewards in, in, in verse 1 are actually called, out, called husbandmen. And we, we actually know that God refers to himself as a husbandman. And so I think it's kind of cool that um, God is wanting us to bear his image. His stewards are to bear the image of him. And we know from John 15, 1, that God is the husbandman and Jesus is the vine. So in terms of just how, how do we bear fruit for the Lord, just to kind of get practical, Again, I want to use this passage as, as a jumping point. And in verse 6, you see that the father was, was expecting that when he sent his son, they would reverence him. That they would reverence him. And I think we can ask, if we were to look at our lives this week, did we reverence the son? Did we reverence the son? John 15 uh, verse four and five, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine. You're the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. And it's so important that we fight through all the noise and busyness of our lives to abide in the vine. Because, man, we can get so busy even doing good religious things and be completely disconnected from the Lord. And God's calling us to sit at his feet, to abide in him, to rest in him. And that's where we'll find our strength. We've got a fence. This actually isn't a picture of our fence, but uh, we've got a fence in our yard and our neighbors have, I think, like some wild grapes. Like they don't like pull them or anything like that. 
Um, so th it's not like we're uh, doing them a disservice or, or trying to thwart them in some way. But this vine will like overtake our fence. And, and so every like twice a season, I'll go out there with some loppers and just try to find like, where is this thing even like starting from, right? <laughs> and I'll just kind of like, and, and I'll just sever it. And just that severance alone, like everything above it will all of a sudden just wither and wilt. Uh, if, if you're not feeling that picture, uh, yesterday our oven uh, was about to catch on fire um, from, uh, I think, like the starter. I don't know. Anyways, it went crazy, right? And we have a breaker that got tripped, okay? It severed that connection of electricity so that, like, the oven would not go beyond what it should be doing in terms of heat and electricity. So it's like when we think about like our relationship and our connection with the Lord, is it, is it severed? Well, like spiritually for those that are saved, never, like never. But we do have a choice. Are we going to live in that reality of what God has given us? Or are we going to kind of like live as if we're severed from the Lord? And oftentimes we, we run around crazy, crazy busy, with this fear that like, if I'm not doing all these things on my own strength, they won't get done. And yet, man, when we abide in the Lord, it's just amazing how he slays our giants. It's amazing how he slays our giants. So let's, let's be just like leaning in to try to stay connected with the Lord throughout the week. So Jesus continues, okay? So the Pharisees, they hear themselves in this parable. And so, uh, you know, they're fuming. They want to they to do something right there, but they fear the people. And then they scheme again, okay? And verse 13, you see this. And they send unto him certain of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him in his words. So you can see their motivation right away. Verse 14, and when they were come, they say unto him, Master, we know what thou art true. And cares for no man, for the re thou regardest not the person of men, but teachest the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to give tribute to Caesar or not? Shall we give or shall we not give? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said unto them, Why tempt ye me? Bring me a penny that I may see it. And they brought it, and he saith unto them, who is the image and superscription? And they said unto him, Caesar's. And Jesus answering said unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. So the point that I want us to see here is that the Lord has invested in each of us. Okay? How are you rendering his investment? If you look back at verse 17, God is saying, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Give to your country the things that are your country's. And to God, the things that are God's. And we have to ask this question, what things are God's? Is it just money? Like, are, are, is he just talking about money? Like, what things are God's? So the Lord has invested in you. How are you rendering his investment? God has invested so much in us. Okay, Psalm 116 verse 12 says this. 
What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? I don't know if any of you have signed up for a new job recently, but a lot of times, like, for recruiting, they'll try to tell candidates, like, hey, these are our benefits at at work, right? Or every year you have to, like, re-enroll in benefits at work. I, I hesitate to even bring that up in comparison to the benefits of knowing our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because they don't even compare. But like, what are the benefits of being a son or daughter of God? What are those benefits and what has the Lord given us? Just to name a few, man, God's given us the word of God. There are things that Moses and the prophets long to see And didn't, like, it wasn't clear. And yet, we have, like, God's word so clear to us. We can can read it at any time. It's, like, on our phones. It's with us. God's given us the Holy Ghost, and he's made us his temple to dwell in. God's given us the church. Man, it's it's incredible just being a believer. Uh, This week... Again, as we kind of go through our great purge at uh, the Bustos household, we have a couch in the upstairs, and it was going to be a lot of work to get that couch out of that room, over all our other junk, and then we'd have to take off the doors to get it through another room, to get it down a tiny stairwell, and then to try to get it out a door that had a really impossible angle. So what did we do? We actually, we reached out to brothers and sisters in the church and we were like, hey, we need some help getting this out. And I think we want to throw it out our window on the second floor. And so Alex Allen came over and we've, we actually got some uh, believers that are our neighbors next door. And we took the couch and th- put it onto our roof and then wrapped a rope around it and like dropped it down. And... Uh, and now Alex Allen's got a, a, a like a brand new couch. Well, it's not brand new, but like, but it's not nasty. Uh, if anybody's on the yard MBT yard sale chat, you'll know what I mean by that. Um, but like he, uh, but like he came and helped us, and he was a blessing to us. We were a blessing to him. And man, like, how many can testify? Like that's what it's like being in the church. Just in regards to like, I feel like I'm always receiving more than I'm giving. The Lord has just like invested in us and we have people and that's just like a silly practical example but man god's given us people god's given you time how are you stewarding your time i find myself like more and more addicted i'm I'm not i'm not kidding you i'm more and more addicted to social media in the last couple weeks i like cannot put my phone down i'm like recognizing it i'm like this is not a good stewardship of my time this infinite scrolling god's giving you money God's giving you resources. How are you stewarding it? Uh, this is Keith Green. He, uh, some of you may know him. Uh, he was part of the, the Jesus hippie movement and had a radical sal- like salvation testimony. I mean, he was like tripping on drugs and eventually he got saved and just became sold out for the Lord. Um, we sing some of his songs on Sunday mornings. Uh, Rushing Wind, he wrote Rushing Wind. 
we sing that like every other uh, closing song. So um, you're probably familiar with that one. But when he was young, he was practicing piano. And I'm sure his parents like invested time and energy to make sure that he had a piano, that maybe he had lessons. But like that early investment, that early investment, like you could see the progression of his like music career. Um, But it's like, man, what was poured in there eventually when he became saved to be able to use that investment to just praise the Lord and to call people to repentance through his music. It's just such an incredible thing. Now, none of us are probably going to be like a Keith Green on the piano. But like, what has the Lord given you that you can give back to him? What, what has the Lord given you that you can render back to him? So be thinking about that. While we're at it, um, just a reminder, okay, it's tax season. Don't forget to file your taxes, okay? <laughs> render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Don't cut corners. It's tempting sometimes to not be honest on your taxes if you're filing on your own. Let's be honest, okay? All right, we're going to go to the next one, the commandments. So we're going to skip a, a, another passage, and we're going to go to verse 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And can I just pause there? Again, thinking about what does it look like to abide in the Lord? What does it look like to... Be strong in the Lord. This is, this is the commandment that God is one. That's the foundation. There's one God. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And then verse 31, and the second is like it, namely this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribes said unto them, Well, master, thou hast said the truth. And there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and all the soul and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself, is more than than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that durst ask him any question. So this story stands out to me because the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, they just seem horribly off. Like, and that's an understatement because they're actually like enemies of God. Um, you know, they're called uh, the children of, of, of their father, the devil. Okay. But here we have a, uh, a religious ruler, I'm sorry, not a religious ruler. One of, yeah, I guess you call him religious ruler. He's, 
he's sent by them and he's asking this question and God's telling him, Jesus is telling him, this is like, this is the sum of the law and the prophets. And it's like he recognizes the truth in it and actually also adds a, a layer to it. And Jesus responds by saying, you're not far from the kingdom. And I think this passage, specifically in the context of Mark, Mark 12, really balances things out because we're going to talk about offering next. And it's very easy to think about, like, how can we kind of, like, buy our way to God? How can we, like, bring an offering to God to, like, appease him or to, like, get on his good side? Like, maybe if I just give a little bit more. And what's, what's coming out of this passage, he's basically saying, to obey is better than sacrifice. He's seeing the truth of what Jesus is saying. So simple obedience will always exceed excessive sacrifice. Simple obedience will always exceed excessive sacrifice. How are you obeying God's word? So again, it, you know, we want to do like exploits for the Lord. Uh, we want to do great things for the Lord, but like, are we just obeying his simple commandments? And like, man, sometimes it gets like overwhelming. There's so much to do. And again, like, let's kind of like, let's go back to that. Like, let's keep it simple. Silly. Like God is one. Let's just anchor ourselves in that and let's love him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you know what? Let's love each other as we love ourselves. Can we do these things? 1 Samuel 15, 22 through 23, Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he hath also rejected thee from being king. The context of this is Saul was not a priest, and yet he sacrificed, uh, he, he sacrificed at an altar um, when he was worried that he was going to lose a battle. And he kind of framed it as like, like he mustered up the courage to do something that he didn't want to do. And yet, like Samuel was like, like, what have you done? This is terrible. This is what the Levites are supposed to do, not you. You're of the tribe of Benjamin. And, uh, and listen to the language. I mean, this is serious stuff. Verse 23, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Sometimes, like, I mean, sometimes we go witch hunting and we've got like, we've got some sins that are like, you know, the, the seven deadly sins. You know, it's like we, we've got like this hierarchy of sins. And what God is saying here in verse 23 is that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as, the, as is iniquity and idolatry. Are you stubborn? You know, sometimes we joke about, like, in our marriages, like, oh, I'm stubborn, you know? It's like, oh, oh, he's just a stubborn old man or whatever. 
But man, like God takes these things seriously when it comes to obeying his word. Okay, so listen, if, if Batman is ordering queso, don't bring him guacamole, boy wonder. And if God is asking you to be kind and tender-hearted one to another, forgiving one another, don't be a jerk all week with your family and then come and give a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of praise, and call it good, okay? We're called to love one another. We're called to be patient and loving, kind and tender-hearted, forgiving one another, yet we hold on to grudges. Stubborn. We are stubborn. We hold on to grudges, and then we come to worship, and, you know, we tithe, and So, you know, the balance of Mark 12, again, in in regards to this topic of giving, is that you cannot buy God's favor. Faith and obedience have to be a constant in your life. The last section we're going to look at is verse 41 through 44, the offering. And man, this, this passage, I just, I feel like I can't live up to this. Again, it kind of reminds me of the rich young ruler that when God's like, when Jesus says, um, you know, sell all that you have and come and follow me, it's like, oh, how do I do that? That just, that's, that bar's too high. This, this poor widow, uh, she's everything that the rich young ruler isn't. So verse 41, and Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury And many that were rich cast in much, and there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had even all her living. It's just incredible. And, uh, you know, I, I recognize that like everybody in this church, everybody really in, in, in the walk of life, uh, come from different backgrounds and have access to different resources and have different jobs, okay? This, this passage should be an unlock for all of us. Um, one, if you're making a lot of money, and you're tithing a lot, uh, don't be impressed <laughs> with yourself. And, and if you feel like uh, you're not making a lot of money and you don't have a lot to give, man, you, you can give everything and, and God uh, sees it. It doesn't, it doesn't have to amount to a lot. What God cares about is the heart. The Lord does not measure with the amount we give, but instead by our heart, posture, how is your giving these days? How is your giving these days? 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this, Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. Notice that pur- purpose in your heart. Giving isn't just some arbitrary thing. Uh, for anybody that gives online, uh, sometimes I give online. Most of the time I give online if I tithe. It's like, it, be, it can feel like such a, like an arbitrary, 
you know, oh, I've got my to-do item. Okay, I've got to like tithe, you know? It's like, but do we like take a moment to be like, Lord, thank you. Like, thank you for how you've blessed us. I'm going to give you my first fruits. So every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. We know from Acts 17 that God does not need our money, but he instead wants our heart. God wants our heart. Just on a, on a practical uh, note, I was thinking just a little bit about this passage and the tithe and offerings. I actually went back to our discipleship material um, just because I felt like there was like, like that's such a good resource about um, the topic of giving and even just breaking down tithing and offering. And Malachi 3.10 says this, um, and, and God is actually challenging his people here. He says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. And, and a tithe, if you're not familiar with that, that like literally means a tenth. Okay, like one tenth. So bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, like bring the first fruits, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, I believe that this, mess, this, this blessing is not monetary. It can be, but I don't think that this blessing um, is monetary. I believe it's a spiritual blessing. And man, like, if God can give us spiritual fruit as a people, if, if we're not attached to our things, if we can give not just our money, not just our time, but our whole lives, Man, I believe God will bless this church and what that blessing will look like is a lot more spiritual children. A lot more spiritual children that the image of Christ would would grow in Kansas City, that the image of Christ would shine in other parts of the country and in the world. Uh, For for those that do give online, um, you know... uh, Adam 4D, uh, he's, he's the guy that started Babylon B. He used to have like a comic strip um, called Adam 4D. And uh, he had this. I thought this was pretty good. Um, for anybody that does give online, um, we could take a cue from this comic. So she's saying, what are you doing? Because he just took off his shirt in the middle of church. And then, uh, you know, he's just stretching. Then you get the back view. Says... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, make sure you're in the front row if you get this shirt so that, you know, you can get maximum visibility. No, but, uh, you know, in all seriousness, like, if you're not, um, if you're not giving um, and, and the Lord is convicting you on that, sometimes it's hard to know, like, what's that look like? And just from a practical standpoint, um, in the New Testament, it doesn't necessarily ever give, like, a specific direction of how much you're to give. Uh, You see that we're called to actually give everything and be a living sacrifice. So it's like the bars, like it all, right? Like the poor widow. Um, But 
you know, in the Old Testament, you see this talk of a tithe and you actually see this pretty consistently. And a tithe means 10, 10%. So if you don't know, you know, what it, what it means to give, or you're just kind of wondering, pray to the Lord and just ask him, God, what would you have me give? Um, a 10% a, a of, your, of your paycheck is, is an awesome way to approach that. And again, just I, I'm sure there's many in this room that can attest that like you cannot outgive God. And again, that doesn't mean you're going to be rich. That just means like God's going to be blessing you and you're going to realize everything you have is God's to begin with. Um, we also, there's beyond the tithe, um, you know, there's offerings and sacrificial giving. Uh, this is uh, Miles and Eric Phillips. Uh, this is like a fresh uh, photo straight off, straight out of WhatsApp. Um, but they're, they are in Ni- Nairobi, Kenya right now on a missions trip. And, and again, like as we give, um, think about like ways that we can be supporting the mission of God. And this is just an example. You can give and support other people that are going on missions trips. You can be saving yourself to go on a missions trip. If you uh, ever want to see what missions trips are there, mbtkc.org forward slash missions, um, <clears throat> as well, investing in your education in the Lord, LFBI. And, and just last of all, like <clears throat> uh, when we think about this idea of like the Lord giving us benefits, the Lord investing with us and trusting with us as stewards, as husbandmen, what are we going to give back to the Lord? I just want to like point back to like, what is the, like, what is the nature of the Lord and his generosity? And he gave his son, he gave his son for us. And like the grace and mercy that um, is offered to us is free. Meaning that we don't have to pay anything for that other than to receive it as a gift, okay? But it costs the Lord everything. It cost him his life. And yet we know that it didn't stop at death, that Jesus died, he was buried, and he arose again on the third day. And so for those that are believers, we're one in Christ now, and we have that same spirit in us. And uh, we need to not live in fear. We need to not hold our lives dear and to think that we can, like, that we'll lose it if we hold on to it. Um, but man, how can we follow in the Lord's footsteps and just bring fruit to Him and render fruit to Him that brings glory to His name, that brings salvation to those around us, that brings discipleship and, and, and reproduces fruit. So if anybody wants to talk after class or if God's just weighing something on your heart, or if you have a question about giving, um, you can always, uh, you know, talk to somebody next to you, or you can talk to me, or Pastor Mitch, or uh, we have so many wise, <clears throat> seasoned believers in this class. Um, just grab somebody, and we can we can talk through things. We can pray. Father, thank you so much <clears throat> for your investment in us, and Lord, without your help, uh, we will. Um, we'll drop the ball. Um, But God, we want to be faithful stewards. And and Lord, uh, I think I can speak on behalf of this class that 
God, we want to have a heart like the, the poor widow that, um, that just gave out of her lack. And God, we believe that um, you can do great things if we just have faith of a mustard seed. And so um, we give you everything we have in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good afternoon. Blessings in Christ.